0: What's up everybody? Welcome to a World Cup special edition of the Premier League podcast here on FanRug Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me, Polly Costell and Elliot Niblock. Uh, today we're going to go through groups A, B, C, and D, as we're slowly but surely getting closer to kickoff in the World Cup in Russia. Uh, but first, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team. And Pauly will get to vet a little and um most of it's going to be from this article from the ringer which called own goal yeah
1: that's right
0: a lot of a lot of criticism against a certain german in this article and um Polly, go go to your defense here of Jurgen Klinsmann.
2: uh i mean there's no de- there's defending him and then there's just saying like what this article did was the author's pretty much stated that um, the reason that we didn't make the World Cup is because of Quinsman, which is so far from the truth. And they really stretch the long-term thing about Quinsman. Now, again, um, and look, um, that this dates back to 2011, which is kind of ridiculous. Because even though he didn't get off to the best start, um, you know, we did do really well. We did fix things and do really well in the World Cup, and then things did. Things did go off the hinges a bit right after the World Cup, 2014, 2015. Those were rough years. He blames Quinsman. He try he tries to find anybody that's willing to throw a quote out that'll make Klins- that'll put Klinsmann in a negative light. He finds, but his argument is really that you know we're in this position because of Sunil Gulati, which we should be. And Sunil Gulati had reservations about hiring Quinsman, and then he gave them all up. He didn't give them all up when he hired them in 2011, but he gave them all up when we hired, when we gave him that contract extension in 2013 that gave him a lot of power. But you know, one of the things that that they said was that he lost the locker room in uh, what year was it? It was 2013 when he cut Carlos Bocanegra, who was the captain and a and a big locker room guy. And I'm sorry, but like, if if you lose, if he, Sunil Galli said we hired Quinsman to make decisions because he made big decisions when he was the manager in Germany and let people go. And if you're upset, if you're one of the players and I understand that they all hated Klinsmann at this point, because he was tactically unaware of things and his in-game management was bad. And if you want to criticize Klinsmann, the manager for being a bad manager, by all means, go ahead. He's not a good manager. Um, But to criticize an international manager for cutting a 34 year old defender, who had an unstable club situation if you're a player and you lost faith in your manager because of that grow up
1: yeah that's well, what international football is i mean i think that i think that that's the thing about this article is that on the one hand i i agree with a lot of what it's saying and i think that it does a good job of of actually fleshing out how yeah you know what he was kind of tactically inept and he probably really did lose the locker room i mean it kind of forces that narrative onto all of the data he definitely lost but... the locker
2: room but if the reason that you lost faith in the guy <laughs> is because yeah. he let go of one of your friends then that's an issue and another thing that it brought up was how you know they had a whole lot of guys that you know really battled through it in in qualifying and Brad Evans is one of them and he's quoted in the article and someone i believe said you know when he brought in guys like Julian Green and DeAndre Yedlin and John Brooks when he brought them into camp before the World Cup to the 30 man camp there was a feeling around the team that it really pissed off some of the veterans because it made them feel like that they were chal- that those guys were here to take their spot on the team and hello guess what that's exactly what they're here for yeah like your spot on the team shouldn't be a given, and that complacency that we have is exactly the problem that we have. and and Brad Edward Brad Evans, who didn't make the World Cup team. He battled for the US during um during qualifying. In fact, him coming into qualifying is what helped push out some of the other older guys. He battled, he didn't make it. He was replaced by DeAndre Yedlin, which you you could criticize Quinsman all you want for doing that in hindsight. That was a very good move because, well, DeAndre Yedlin kept Eden Hazard in his back pocket against Belgium, but he also was the one that flipped that Portugal game around and is the reason that we got a draw.
1: I mean, I think, honestly, for me, the the most illustrative things in the entire piece were, and and this was, you know, these were actually kind of only merely gestured towards, but the parallels between interviews with, you know, both on the record anonymously and on the record, you know, with names attached about how Klinsmann lost the locker room and especially about his lack, you know, Paul, you mentioned this, his lack of tactical acumen and how the the parallels between those and conversations with players like Philip Lahm in talking about how things fell apart for Jurgen Klinsmann at Bayern Munich. And it seemed to me, it's like, okay, right. This is not just, these things didn't mesh between this group of players and this manager. These are fundamental shortcomings in terms of Jurgen Klinsmann
2: as a manager. himself. But you know what? Here's the problem, is and here's why you can't blame him for that. Um, because first of all, he had a vision, and his vision was to take U.S. soccer into a different one. So com- complaining, one of the one of the things the article mentions was Klinsmann promised, uh, you know, possession based soccer, and and. Um, you know, attacking soccer. And then when we played Belgium, that they blew the doors off of us. And if it wasn't for Howard's record-setting performance, this game would have been a blowout. Yeah, but the U.S. didn't come out in a shell against Belgium. They actually played, they actually tried to take the game to Belgium. And that's why Belgium picked us apart. Because at the end of the day, player for player, Belgium has a lot more talent. And we tried to play that way. and And Belgium picked us apart. But also, we didn't, Failed to qualify for the World Cup because Quinsman's a bad manager, and we didn't fail. Yes, there there might have been a division in the locker room, but then we also failed because, as they said, when he got fired, Gulati pretty much said the only player people I could turn to were Bob Bradley or Bruce Arena, because uh, that's just the way he is. It's like he had to go back and do the opposite. Whereas, no, like first of all, you could have pulled the trigger on Quinsman earlier and brought in somebody else. But anyway, all you needed to do is bring in someone else. You didn't need to turn back the clock and go completely in the opposite direction to Bruce Arena. And Brad Evans, who I thought he came off the best of all the players that spoke to, which, by the way, they didn't speak to anybody of high priority. They, the people quoted were Dax McCarty, Clarence yeah. Goodson, Brad Evans. We ain't talking, we're not even talking to Kyle Beckerman here.
1: Yeah, um, but at the same, I mean, those, those are also the kind of players that don't have as many lucrative sponsorship deals and as much face to lose. And so, you know, they've got less right. skin in the game, but, so they can be a little more but forthright.
2: He said at the end of the article, he was fair because he criticized Jurgen for the way Jurgen handled things. And at the end of the article, he said, well, under Quinsman, like, you know, there was competition for every place in the team. And under Arena, it just, it seemed like he was only going to go to the veterans. And it seemed like everybody's place on the team was safe and yeah. we got complacent. And that's exactly what happened. It was veterans
1: plus Christian Pulisic.
2: Right, which is why you can't get mad that he brought young guys into camp, which, by the way, every international manager does. The way that, considering that World Cup qualifying ends eight months, which is nearly an entire season before the World Cup, you have to expect that there's going to be an 18, a 19, a 20, a 21-year-old who breaks out that year, who deserves to play in the World Cup. There are going to be young guys that deserve it. And that is just, unfortunately, the way things happen. That's unfortunately the way things happen and uh, in, in soccer, is players that got you there, unfortunately, don't get to go, and players that didn't help you get there, they get to go. But the article mentioned, if you're going to blame Klinsman, the manager, the article mentioned how they barely got by in the semifinal round because they lost to Guatemala, that's irrelevant because they won the group and they advanced. So that has nothing to do with not qualifying for the World Cup. And if you want to blame Klinsman, the manager, you can't because... Bruce Arena had eight games to write the ship, and not just eight games. Quinsman lost at home to Mexico, which is, if you were to rank the ten games that we would have to play, that's the third third most difficult, and he lost away to Costa Rica, which is the second most difficult, and a game that no U.S. manager has ever won. So he had eight games left, seven of the easiest eight games. All you had to do is win the four home matches, and you're pretty much in. And maybe get a win on the road or just draw your road matches. And he couldn't do that. Well, and also all that. you
1: have to do is just not choose Omar Gonzalez over Jeff Cameron in Trinidad.
2: And that's, which and that's everyone. Exactly. <laughs> they, they kept blaming they kept saying the, apparently, you know, there was a division in the locker room under Quinsman and the locker room was torn apart and everything. Well, there are multiple reports now that says Bruce Arena was fed up with Jeff Cameron, and he and when Bruce Arena came in. He only wanted players that were committed to the U.S., and so he got rid of Timmy Chandler. Well, first of all, Timmy Chandler we've always known has not been committed to the U.S. Don't even tie that to Quinsman, though. He's a Bob Bradley guy that declined an invitation to the Gold Cup because he didn't want to get cap-tied to the U.S. And um, all the other German-Americans, they still came in. And guess who else Bruce Arena called in? Darlington Nagby, who declined a a, a call-up under Jurgen Klinsmann because he felt like he wasn't going to start. How's that commitment? But if if that's what Bruce Arena's mantra is, is you got to be committed to the shirt, and you're saying that Jeff Cameron was unhappy and grumbling that he wasn't playing and he wasn't being a team player, send him home. Why didn't you send him home?
1: Yeah, I mean, and it also, the other thing is that I think that Bruce Arena did the kind of tacit assumption absolute reverse of Klinsman in terms of being committed to the shirt. Like if you're an MLS, well, then you must be. Well, he committed to the MLS guys,
2: which is he committed to the MLS guys because there was – because again, and I was listening to the uh, Men in Blazers podcast today with Roger Bennett where he said – where he was talking with Steve Sampson when he became the the interim coach, and he said when you're the interim coach, it's pretty much like the easiest way to get by is take whatever the former coach did and do the complete opposite. And Klinsman was, as they say – on a crusade against the MLS, so Arena came in to say, oh, we're going to go with MLS guys. It's kind of ridiculous to say that because certain people like Graham Zuzi never lost his place in the team with Quinsman, Giassi Zardis, who was awful, who Quinsman was upset that he didn't leave to go to Europe after his hot start to 2015, he never lost his place mm-hmm. in in Quinsman. I mean, to say like, oh, the yeah. they article and- said that the players in MLS thought that they were inferior, but yeah, he kept playing MLS guys. Yeah,
1: so I, I think that this is the the takeaway is that you know if you're listening and you haven't read the article, it's it's long, it's pretty good long form journalism, but it certainly kind of has it has its line of argument and it sticks to it in a way that maybe has some square pegs and round holes.
2: Yeah, it's it's just the the crazy thing is, is that Bruce Arena and he was on the record in this article, and he went on the record in the article by ESPN last week, he just won't accept any responsibility. Oh, my this. God. And he's he's Although, writing a he's book writing called a What's book? Wrong with U.S. Soccer. Oh and again, no. no, it's, it's how, it. like, what went us. wrong with us. Right.
0: Yeah, and just have a photo not, of yourself.
2: Right. Well, you are not what went wrong with us, but you are a big part of it. Yeah, but and also, that is LOL
1: to the max. Like, no, no, Bruce. I will not pay you money to read about your unprecedented failure.
2: Right, about and how... how you, and, and the crazy thing is, is that um, in the ESPN article, Paul Ariola spoke about how against Trinidad, he just didn't have it that night. He said, you know, I was, he said, I can't, I know other people felt this way, but I can't speak for them, but I was fatigued. I had still not recovered from the match against Panama in Orlando, and I was not ready to play, and that's why, like, I was getting beaten to balls, and that's why I went from having my best game in a U.S. shirt by far to having by far my worst game in a U.S. shirt. And when Arena was brought up with what Ariola said, he said, that's not true. He said, I spoke to all the medical people, and they said, everybody's ready to play. I said, the guy just said he was exhausted. How could you sit there and say, no, that's not true? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's move on from that, though. But, yeah, uh, U.S. men's national team in sort of a weird spot right now. We'll see who ends up taking the reins. Uh, okay, over to the World Cup. Uh, we'll kick things off with Group A, where we find the hosts, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Uruguay. Uh, first out, the Russians. And, you know, if we, we, we'll we start with the goalkeepers. We'll move our way to the defenders, midfielders, and then, of course, the forwards in each side here. Uh, most of you probably know of I- Igor Akinfeev. The uh, starting goalkeeper for Russia uh, spent, you know, his whole career with uh, CSK Moscow has 105 caps. And, um, you know, he had that unwanted record of 43 straight Champions League games without a clean sheet. He uh, finally got that off his back when Moscow beat Benfica 2-0 this season. I mean, it's sort of a super-given number-one goalkeeper for the Russians there. Uh, I don't think Andrei Luniov or Vladimir Gabulov is going to have any shot at getting a game in, unless Akinfiev gets injured. No, um, oh, absolutely not. Looking at the defenders, here we got a little bit of a mix. we got some older players like uh, Sergei Ignacevic, uh, 38 years old, also a CSKA Moscow player. Then we have former Chelsea player Yuri Shirkov, or Man City, sorry. Um, and Mario Fernandez sort of an odd ball here born in Brazil of course and uh, got his Russian citizenship in July of 2016 he's only gotten four caps for the Russians but um, a guy to keep an eye on otherwise as far as you know the age group most of them are you know, 29 years or older. The only guy who's under the age of 29 is Ilya Kutupov, 24-year-old from Spartak, Moscow. Um, should be starting in central of defense. Uh, they've switched to a 3-3 three, three back line. I think that's good since that's what most of the players play in their club team. Russia, Pauly, they haven't played a competitive game in a very long time. How do you think that's going to factor in?
2: Uh, the same way it factors into every host who never plays a competitive game for two years or three <laughs> years. I mean, it's I, I don't know. Like that—that's what it. That's the cost of being the host.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, they're. I think that they are. They are going to be very, very happy that they were drawn with Saudi Arabia in the group because that's. You, you know, I mean. Saudi Arabia might get a couple it was of goals. Totally but totally a natural shift. draw. and
2: yeah, yeah, totally a natural draw. And it just so happens that Russia got drawn against the worst team in the tournament on right. the opening day.
0: Well, isn't that usually how it goes? The host they tend to get a f- sort of favorable group? No, no.
2: I mean, Brazil had to play Mexico last year. They had to play somebody they had to play somebody else, South Africa, to play France, Mexico, like, it's,
1: although that it's was not, a, that was a France team back in 2010 that was not nearly as you know fearsome as the current squad, I would argue.
2: Yeah, no, they weren't that good, and they didn't qualify. But I forgot who the other team that qualified out of their out of their group was. Um, but no, I wouldn't say that the host team always gets a favorable draw.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, although I mean, this one was more favorable than than the rest, and and considering that we are now entering the corrupt area of the World Cups. It's not that
0: surprising. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, midfielders. Here we got a couple of really good names. Uh, Alan Zagoyev, another CSKA Moscow player. Uh, been sort of their linchpin for a while here. His teammate, Alexander Golovin, one of several Alexanders in this uh, squad. Um, he's definitely a, a player to keep an eye on, 22-year-old. He's uh, got 18 caps so far. And then uh, one of the Miranchuk twins, Anton. He's uh, another 22-year-old that could, you know, spark up some some headlines here if he gets a shot, plays for Lokomotiv Moscow. Uh, his twin brother, Alexei, is one of three forwards. Uh, they are without Kokorin, who is injured. So that's a big loss for them. So they got Miranchuk, Artem Djuba from uh, Zinitz Saint Petersburg, and Fedor Smolov from uh, Krasnodar as the three forwards here. So I'm a little bit concerned about their setup here among the forwards. I mean, I think that they're going to, you know,
1: they're going to say, set up defensively, say, you know, run through us if you can, and then hope that they can get a little bit of magic from Alexander Golovin, who I I think could end up being, you know, the... I, I hate this parallel, but like the, you know, the Arshavin of this World Cup, right? You know, the young precocious talent who ends up getting linked with a lot of major European
0: clubs afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that he's played very well for CSK Moscow for, now, for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there seems to be some reluctance for them to leave, though. Because I feel like a guy like Akim Fev could have left a long, long time ago.
1: Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they make a
2: king's wage there. Oh, of course and they, they do. Akin isn't that good when well, yeah. when push comes to shove. Akin people say, is good because it's like, well, let's say something positive about Russia, and you go, oh, we have Akin Fev. The bottom line is not keeping a queen sheet for 43 straight games doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. Well, and the this other is, thing this is, is this that isn't he's like, like... This isn't like, wow, CSKA Moscow, they consistently make the Champions League, and they're always the worst team in the group, and they always get the doors blown off. They don't. They advanced out of a group that included Manchester United. Like, failing to keep... A, uh, that included Louis van Gaal's Manchester United that couldn't score if they tried to. Yeah. So, failing I mean, to keep a clean sheet, that 43 straight times, that doesn't happen accidentally.
1: The thing about Akinfiev is that he's kind of like uh, a grizzled veteran version of, like, Loris Carius. And his failures in big games haven't been as big or as headline grabbing but they've been far more consistent
0: (laughs) yeah that's true okay let's take a quick break when we come back we'll continue with Saudi Arabia so stick around okay we're back it's time to go through another teaming group A that's Saudi Arabia and yeah there's a lot of them come from the domestic league here and you know from what I've read the guy to keep an eye on is Abdullah Al-Kabari, 21 years old, play for Al-Shabaab, has four caps to his name, and... um, They all
2: come from the domestic league, so they are all familiar with Mr. Mark (laughs) Klattenberg.
0: Yes. Um, Yeah, besides Al-Kabari, Muhammad Al-Salawi uh is their main goal scorer he has 28 goals in 39 caps although this will be his biggest test for sure
1: i just i don't i don't yeah, I have see no, them no i don't see them winning a game they might they might they might get a point but if they get a point it'll be an off day for either russia or
0: egypt yeah yeah you know, that's true yeah i can i can't I just really don't see i it. can't really say too much about this team um but we'll we'll watch him good luck. Uh, going on to Egypt and there we got the grandfather of the tournament in Esam El Hadari. Forty five year old the, grand-
1: the grandfather of any and every tournament.
0: Yeah, forty five year old goalkeeper will start for Egypt, uh, making him the oldest player to feature in the World Cup. Well, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. then we got a but couple does
2: he wear sweatpants? Because in the Euros, we got that old hungry goalkeeper that wore sweatpants. Yeah, I got sweatpants goalie.
0: Gabor Kiraly.
1: Tell you what, I guarantee you one thing. He's not going to eat a pie on the bench
0: during no. the game. Nope. That's really? A... You guarantee me that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I'll, I'll give you, like, Luis Suarez shoot the moon biting somebody odds for that one. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh,
0: if we take a look at the defenders, we got a couple of familiar names from England in uh, Ali Gabar and uh, ahmed hegazi both played for west brom and then ahmed and Mohamedi, who played for aston villa this past season uh, midfield Mohamed el Neni. you know he plays for arsenal uh we got wigan player sam morsi we got one um lafc player in omar Gaber. so that's good for the mls and then, of course, the big man up front, Mohamed Salah.
1: And we think he's going to be fit for the tournament, right? They'll, they'll. I mean, even if
0: he's not fit, fit, he'll play. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I mean, and
1: it's like this is not to to make light of this. I mean, I crashed on my bike the other day and sprained my shoulder. Shoulder injuries are for real, but it's not as though he has like a broken metatarsal or something. Like he'll he'll start
0: all three group stage games. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And he, you know, this is sort of that, what should we compare it to Wales sort of where you have that one super, superstar, and then sort of a supporting cast. We'll see how they do, but it's definitely going to be on the supporting
2: cast is better than Egypt's.
0: Yes. That's, Aaron that's for Ramsay,
2: sure. Uh, I mean, Hal Robson-Kanu is not that good, but he's like the perfect complement to playing Gareth Bale up top. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think uh, else well, is other guys?
1: I, I still think... I mean, I still think that Egypt are slight favorites over Russia to finish second to this. They're, they're more than slight favorites. Russia's really
2: bad. I, th- I like, don't think Russia's I, quite I, as bad as you think. I'm looking at game one. I think that's a 1-1 draw between Russia and Saudi Arabia, mainly because... I'm just thinking about South Africa and how they got a 1 1 draw in their first game. Um, but I, I mean, this is. Russia's not good. Russia is not good. Yeah.
1: This is crazy for me to say, but I, you know, unless I happen to be in front of a TV, all of the things being equal, I might not watch the first game of the World Cup. You Sorry, shut, your,
2: you shut your damn mouth. You shut your damn mouth. Because I'll tell you, not even, not even two years from now, but like July twenty-first, you're gonna be like, "Damn, I wish I had a World Cup game to watch." Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely. So you shut your damn mouth. This happens once every four <laughs> years. You watch as many games as you can. And I will tell you, I went to I for, I forgot who played before the U.S. played Ghana last time. It was I. It was Algeria, and me and uh I forgot it was Algeria and some other like team. I want to say an Asian team that like you know isn't famous for scoring goals, and they played the most freaking boring nil-nil draw ever. And I guarantee you, on July twenty-third, you're gonna be like, "Wow, I I I'd kill to have that game coming up on the slate."
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, and I, I it's funny. I was in New York in the now defunct Nevada Smiths watching that game just because I knew that I had to get there early as hell in order to have a prayer to get into.
0: Senior. Well, you went
2: to the wrong you went to the wrong bar, but yeah, I was at the bar yep. already as well.
0: <laughs> okay. For
2: for that reason. Okay, let's move
0: on. We should say also I'll I'll start saying the FIFA rankings for these teams. But Russia, they're ranked 66th, Saudi Arabia 67th, uh, and uh, Egypt are 46th. And then last team in the group that's Uruguay, they're ranked 17th. Although, I mean FIFA rankings taken with a grain of salt. Um, but Uruguay uh, in goal, Fernando Muslera, Galatasaray, that's sort of a given. 96 caps. So depending on how they go, he might reach 100. Um, defenders, I mean the biggest name here, Diego Godin, uh, Atletico Madrid. Been very good for a number of years. He'll be marshalling the back. Um, we got Manchester United flop Guillermo Varela. Did he even play a game? I think he played once under Van Gogh. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah, Mar- Martin Cesaris, Lazio, former Juventus player. And, Pauly, you're going to bow out now? Yeah, Okay. am going Okay. Well, we'll talk to you next week then. Yep. Midfielders. Uh, one really interesting name here, Rodrigo Bentancur from Juventus, of course. Um uh, you know, played for Boca Juniors before move, moving to Juventus in 2017. And, uh, I mean, he, he could be a play to watch for them. Besides, you know, the big star names, Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to casually slide in there. Oh, by the way, they have one of the best strike partnerships in the entire field of 32. Yes, <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, this is... This is and we'll we'll move on to the other groups here just in a moment. But I, I think that this is maybe maybe the most clear cut favorite to win a group uh, of any of them. And there there are other there are other candidates, and we'll get to them. But I see Uruguay winning every single game in this group. If they have only seven points, I'll be slightly surprised. Yeah and I, I expect them to take the full nine and top the group comparatively easily. I mean, I guess I would say there's a chance that, you know, a moment of brilliance from Mosala could earn a draw against them, but they're head and shoulders the clear-cut favorites to win this group, and I would not be surprised to see them in the quarters, if not even the semis of this tournament. No, that's absolutely true. Absolutely.
0: Moving over to group B, we find Portugal, Spain, Morocco, and Iran. And first out Portugal, they're ranked fourth. And um, quite a few players that were in that Euro winning squad. That boring, boring Euro winning squad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got Roy Patricio in goal. You got Pepe still in defense. Um, Jose Fonte, Bruno Alves, midfielder, Juan Motinho, William Carvalho, Juan Mario, Bruno Fernandez, Adrian Silva. I mean these are good players, but th- this is more of a you know th- like you said, it's, it's a bo- it's been a boring team to watch. Yeah. They've been effective. Yeah, they, they, they've been yeah, effective, I mean, but I mean it's still boring to watch. And then they're you got,
1: boring they're boring plus Ronaldo that's that's what
0: they are. Well, I would say you you're, you're boring and then you got Cristiano Ronaldo and now you have Bernardo Silva who I think is poised to take another step up in the international spotlight.
1: Yeah, I I mean I will I will watch Portugal because we're going to be witnessing what is not certainly you know, because he he could he could pull it off to be there in four years, but most likely Ronaldo's last World Cup. But I won't be terribly happier about it. And I'll be honest, it's hard for me to with you know with the Mister Abs himself, Cristiano, and just kind of through and through bastards like Pepe. And given the way that they just you know they're just off of a Euro victory. And the way that they won it, on top of the fact that, yeah, they just enjoyed a major trophy, I'm not going to be cheering for Portugal in any of their games. Sorry, I'm not sorry.
0: Yep. Yeah, next team, Spain. They're ranked eighth. And on paper, they have a much, much stronger side than uh, Portugal. Uh, David De Gea in net, of course, uh, best keeper in the world uh a very solid defense. Uh you would think that, you know, Sergio Ramos, Gerard Pique will lead the line there. Uh Speaking of bastards. Yeah. Uh, and then you But got, I mean, you got yeah, very you got great wingbacks too. I mean, Spain oh, just yeah. churning out wingbacks now.
1: Um No, the I mean, the they will have maybe the best defense in the tournament, right? Like if you playing Piquet and Ramos ahead of, as you said, the greatest goalkeeper in the world. And, you know, whether their fullbacks are the um, Real Sociedad fullback, who's, who could get a big money move this summer, you know, uh, Alvaro, I, I still don't know how to say his last name, Adrio Zola. Mm-hmm. I should know this because I bought him in FIFA yeah. months ago. Adriozola. Um, that was good. And Espelicueta, I mean, Jordi Alba, Nacho Monreal is, for my money, one of the best left backs in the Premier League, and I don't expect him to start a game. No, you know there, and and you know like then moving up, obviously, Busquets and yes, long time mainstays in the midfield, in terms of like, yeah, yeah. Both you got you got position, a very Silva, good Silva et cetera. and Isco. I mean, they're they are front to back, and then I, I think honestly. The, up front is the biggest question mark for this team. Right. Man, because out of doubt. I, and Diego Costa is going to be the out, you know, the clear starter for out and out striker. But it's it's exactly how you know how he shows up. And I have to say, despite what a dismal season he had for Chelsea, I am
0: I am still a little surprised. To see Murata left out of the squad. Oh yeah, me too. I, I mean, when you look at the so they brought four forwards. They got Rodrigo from Valencia or Valencia, uh, Lucas Vasquez from uh, Real Madrid, who's yet to score an international goal. He has six caps. Iago Aspas from Celta Vigo, and then Costa. Yeah. Uh, and
1: I the thing is though that you've got to give a little bit of. I'm not. I don't know. You could you could spin this two ways, right?
0: Uh, give a little. On the one bit. hand. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I had to.
1: Did you have to? Did you really? Yeah, yeah. You could could spin it one of two ways in that, on the one hand, you could say, oh, it's the domestic nepotism because he plays in La Liga. On the other, you could say, you know, Iago Aspas had a failed stint in breaking into the Premier League, but he is the leading scorer in Spain behind only, you know, Luis Suarez... Cristiano Ronaldo, and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he actually scored more goals than even did Antoine Griezmann this season. I mean, he had a he had a career season, and there's part of me that says, you know what, he's a 30 year old striker. He's had some ups and downs in his career, and he like is able to play on the left wing in addition to centrally. He's versatile, and you know he earned it. So. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm surprised a little bit that Maratza is gone, but I, I'm I'm glad to see him, and I, I hope that he kind of he can maybe be a little bit of a,
0: a unknown star for a star-studded team yeah. in this. oh no, and I think you're going to get a lot of goals from the midfield. I think David Silva, Isco, Marco Asensio, If he gets some playing time, he's you know he's chomping at the beat to get that first international goal. So Thiago Alcantara. They, they have some very, very good players that can score some goals. So, yeah. it will be interesting to see. Moving on, Morocco. They're ranked 42nd. Another team that I willingly don't know too much about. Um, star player here, Hakim Siek, Uh Plays for Ajax in the Dutch League. Has 8 goals and 17 caps. Um, so... Well, and he
1: was—he was, he was uh, unless I'm mistaken, also um,
0: because of his, his
1: background, that he was also potentially tapped to play for the Netherlands.
0: Yeah, he played for them on the youth, on yeah,
1: youth level. Exactly. But it's you know, it's funny that you would think, oh, obviously you want to, you know, you want to wear the orange because that's going to be your best chance to get to a World Cup, and yet here are Morocco, and where are the Dutch?
0: Yep. Oh, that's very, very true. Um, yeah, otherwise, Mehti Benatia, Juventus, uh, leading defense there. You know, you got players spread out all over here, really. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to have a, a tough time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, before we move on, I would say one of the other names that we should highlight uh, is Amin Harit. Um who is a young 20-year-old who was actually born in France and won the U19 Euros with the French squad, but elected to play again for Morocco at senior level. Um, And he applies his trade in Germany with Schalke. So he's, he's another player that even if, you know, even should Morocco fail to get out of this group, which yeah, I think it's pretty clear Spain, Portugal are the favorites, number one and two. But if he if he's able to kind of put on some flashes at the biggest stage, he might end up really kind of raising his stock for getting a move to another club, or at least you know becoming one of the the names on the team sheets a little higher up the pecking order in Germany.
0: No, that's true. And I, I do, you know, the romantic in me loves a story like Ayub El-Kabi. Uh, he has 11 goals in nine caps uh, after playing in the Chan tournament. So he had nine goals in six games in that tournament. Uh, born and raised in Casablanca, which is, uh, you know, my right. fa- my favorite movie of all times. So there we go. Good on him. Good <laughs> on him. Um Then, last out in Group B, we have Iran, uh, coached by Carlos Cueros, the former Manchester United uh, assistant to Sir Alex Ferguson, and later the manager of Real Madrid. This is a team where I can honestly say I don't know anything. I mean, they are uh, another team in which
1: not all... I mean, I think they have a couple players in... You know, like that. there's a uh, Ashkan Dejara. I'm I cannot I cannot pretend to actually speak Arabic um, or Farsi for that matter. But he plays for Nottingham Forest. Yes. But you know, and there's uh, they've got a midfielder who plays for Azed Alkmar. But yeah, may, and another guy for Olympiacos. But for the most part, they are they're playing their trades in the domestic league and they're. That I think that they are also going to be the whipping boys of this group, similar to Saudi Arabia in Group A.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the only guy I know here is Saman Godos who uh, plays Östersund, uh, that you know you, Arsenal played against in the Europa League. Yeah, um, and he was born in Sweden. He was born in Malmo, uh, but he chose to represent Iran instead of Sweden, which uh, it's a shame because I think he could have done some good for Sweden. But you know, it is what it is. We we see that a lot now. You have a lot of you know. We were talking about Morocco before. They have some players you know that were bo- either born and were raised in France. Same with like Algeria. They had a lot of players coming from France. Um, and you know, that's just how it is nowadays, really.
1: Yeah, which really- and I think that's I think that's fair. It's a globalized world. You know, you yep. should you should be able to you know if, as long as you can make a legitimate claim. Like yeah, you're you decide what your nation is you decide yeah. which heritage is
0: important i mean i think it's as far back as your grandparents so yeah that seems fair i, I mean you I know i feel like that's okay <laughs> yeah um uh,
1: <laughs> you're the, i mean you're the swedish american here i'm preaching to the choir <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i got you know i don't so i could probably choose between sweden and um, the u.s and hungary on my grandpa's side then so oh, look at that there we go so if any of the national team manager are listening give me a call <laughs> I can be, you know, I can be the 23rd guy, spread some joy in the locker room, be a, you know,
1: what's that, what position did you play growing up actually?
0: Oh, I was all over the place. So I started, uh, I started out as a goalkeeper, um, cause I was fairly tall, fairly early on. Uh, but then I just stopped growing. Like I, I was 5'11 at 13. Oh, wow. And then I just, <laughs> and then I just stopped growing. So slowly but surely, it was like, okay, well, now I'm not tall enough to be a goalkeeper, so let's play center back, okay. I'm too slow to be a center back, okay. Let's move you up front and just be like a center tank, okay. But, yeah, I was awful. I was awful, but I loved it. I still love yeah. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty garbage, and the reason that I played center defensive midfield is that I have no ball skills, but I will, you know, I ride a bike 2,000 miles every year. I've got a pretty good engine, and I will harass some of and yep, I, I will know. get that ball and then I will pass that ball because you don't want me dribbling at anyone.
0: <laughs> yep. No. So yeah, I, I stopped fairly early. I think at 18, I moved over and uh, helped out being one of our coaches instead. So that's how that went. Um, moving over to group C, we find France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark. First out, France. They are ranked seventh. I mean, this is just star-studded team up and down the lineup. Hugo Lloris, of course, starting goalkeeper. But behind them, you know, you have the veteran Steve Mandanda. And then you got uh, Alphonse Ariola. Ariola. Oh, well. Uh, from PSG. Uh, in defense, you have Rafael Varane, who I feel like one of the best center backs in the world that we don't talk nearly enough about uh you got Samuel Umtiti Yeah I think he's he is also phenomenal
1: Yeah he he is my pick for you know as he moves from his early through his mid and into his late 20s to be arguably the best center back in the world
0: Yeah Yeah uh and then you got Presnel Kimpembe, also PSG, who's been very good. Uh, Benjamin Mendy, it's going to be see, interesting to see him and how he's come back from his injury. But yeah, stacked defense, stacked midfield with Paul Pogba, Thomas Lemar, N'Golo Kante, Matuidi, Ensonzi, and some excellent, excellent, excellent attacking options. I mean, just listen to this. Antoine Griezmann, Olivier Giroud. Kylian Mbappe, Ousmane Dembele, Nabil Fakir, and Florian Thauvin. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, that's scary.
1: Yeah, they're they're phenomenal, and the fact that you know players as good as Anthony Martial and Alexander Lacazette and Karim Benzema couldn't make it into this squad
0: speaks volumes about its skill and its depth. Yeah, so there's another team that I think is going to come out of the group stage with nine points. I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, yeah. Then, next up, we got Australia. They're ranked 40th in the world. Uh, a couple of names here you might know. Matthew Ryan, uh, goalkeeper for Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, Brad Jones, Feyenoord has also been, uh, you know, he played, what, 10 years at Middlesbrough? Um. To back up there, um, then we got Aaron Moy, Huddersfield, very good season for him. You got Aston Villa's enforcer Mile Jedinak and um, Tom Rogic, who play for Rogic, who plays for Celtic. So a couple of you know solid players there. Jackson Irvine from Hull, uh, Massimo Luongo from Queens Park Rangers, but up front. The veteran, Kim, Tim Cahill, 38 years old. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, he's, this is what's funny is that I was thinking about, uh, you know, I was chatting earlier about like, will this, or will this not be Ronaldo's last world cup? My gut is that it won't be, um, and that if they qualify for Qatar, then he will be on the plane. But then again, nobody's going to say that Tim Cahill is close to as as talented as Cristiano Ronaldo. And yet here he is one year older than Ronaldo will be four years from now. And uh, yeah, representing his country, uh, playing for Millwall, which I didn't realize until we uh, read up about these teams prior yep. to
0: recording. Yeah, that's true. I mean, player to watch here, Daniel Ar- Arzani, uh, only... Th- he only has one cap. He's 19 years old, plays for Melbourne City, but is uh the wonder of Australian football. Um they say he's sort of in the same mold as a Cristiano Ronaldo, so that's sounds promising. So we'll we'll see if he, he'll get some playing time. Well, wow.
1: yeah. That sounds promising. They are I mean, I would say that Australia within this group are the team that yeah. Okay. They uh, they have some chance to maybe eke out third or pip Denmark for second. No. No, no. They're no. not yeah, no. no, to. no.
0: I, I highly doubt that. I think one point, and they should be happy. Pretty much. Uh, next... I, I think they could beat Peru. Maybe. Well, yeah. Let's get to Peru here. They're ranked eleventh, uh, which is kind of shocked me. Um, yeah. Another team I don't know too much about.
1: Well, the thing is that getting out, like, getting to the World Cup out of that region is a, its a, a an achievement, you know. And oh, so, yeah. like, you're if you're getting results against teams uh, the likes of Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, then yeah, you're going to climb your way up the FIFA rankings. They're not—they're certainly not as star-studded. Um, and I think that they are, despite just having said that, yeah, okay, there is a chance that they might be able to pull it off uh, and, and that Australia could beat Peru. I think Peru are still clear favorites. In
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do have uh, a, um, I just love his nickname, uh, Pedro Gayase. The uh, goalkeeper, his nickname is El Pulpo, so the octopus. Yeah. Uh-huh yeah <laughs> uh kept a clean sheet against argentina with an inflamed hand uh i mean that's just awesome yep so uh we'll see and, there uh, i mean the, you big,
1: know you know the big they've thing got, the they've big got jefferson farfan too
0: yes they got jefferson farfan he's getting all up there in age now 33 years old um uh, but Paulo Guerrero was the big talking point here. Also another veteran place for Flamengo these days, 34 years old. But he was giving a 12-month doping ban last year after testing positive for cocaine. Uh, he said it was because of some contaminated tea. I mean, talk about a pick-me-up. I'll have some of that cocaine tea, please. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, you know, after some appeals and stuff, he's here. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think second second team in this squad, or in this group, should be Denmark. They're ranked 12th, and, you know, you got some pretty well-known names here. You got Kasper Schmeichel, of course, will be the number one goalkeeper, you know, Leicester mainstay. At defense, Simon Kjer from Sevilla. You got Andres Christiansen from Chelsea, and... Um, who else do we have in there? Yeah, Matthias Jurgensen, Huddersfield, Henrik Dalsgaard Brentford Jonas Knudsen Ipswich and Jannik Vestergaard from Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, Midfielders of course, the big star player there Christian Eriksen, Spurs um, you know around him, not the you know not the best supporting cast for him, I would say
1: No, There's... and he's
0: without the greatest striker to ever live yeah, no Nicholas Bentner got injured. What a shame. But they have Casper Dolberg. I mean that's the that's the guy to watch here. Been phenomenal for Ajax. Um and then you got Pione Sisto, Celta Vigo, uh also very, very good. So I think Dolberg and Sisto two players to definitely keep an eye on.
1: Um Yeah. I mean they're I think that they are uh, again, these these all of these groups up until now, I think, have pretty clear favorites for the two teams that are going to go through, yeah. and and I think that they're clearly not the favorites to win it, clearly favored to finish second. But now we will move on to the next one in which I, I things are a little trickier. I think it might be one of the toughest to predict.
0: Yeah, yeah, we should say Denmark played a horrible warm up game against Sweden scoreless it was awful um so hopefully they'll can play a little bit better once things get going here yeah uh group d our last group for the day here argentina iceland croatia and nigeria man what a group
1: yeah yeah i,
0: ha- I hate that group of death uh thing because i feel like every tournament there needs to be a group of death uh yeah. and i guess this is it
1: yeah i mean because i would say that uh I mean, not, you know, Nigeria is arguably, in terms of FIFA rankings, Nigeria is the underdog of this whole group. But the Flying Eagles have some talent. They have some real talent. Oh, and, yeah. you know, like, I think that they're, you know, speaking about them now, we might as well just go through them, that they have, you know, in Victor Moses, they have not not a world-beating forward, but... Uh, a solid mainstay good target man who's been playing at the highest level they have ianacho who i still think might be able to really kick on at leicester and show that okay city have so much talent moving forward that it's not they're not going to be really kicking themselves if they let him go but he's he's got some room for improvement and he plays there with national teammate ahmed musa who i think that his ball skills need a lot of work but at the same time he is extremely fast and if he can if he can link up with alex awobi and ianacho and victor moses although i don't know that all four of them will be on the field at the same time but you know if he can use his speed effectively to basically beat players with pace and then link up with those players who have a little bit stronger ball skills, then they're going to be dangerous against anyone. They
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I would deploy Moses as a wingback or a winger, depending on the formation they go with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, Ahmed Musa, Iannaccio, Alex Wolby, even Odion Igalu. I mean, he made a splash, you know, with Watford for a bit before moving to China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, midfield, you got Ndidi, you got the veteran in Jonobi Mikel. Um, Joel Obie's, you know, solid player from Torino. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some players here. I mean, my big questions here, goalkeeper and defense.
1: Yeah. I, and that's, that's fair. Cause they're, they're exciting moving forward. How many goals are they going to bleed? Um, and I think that, I think that I could possibly see them keeping one clean sheet in this group. But even then, it's really only against Iceland that I could imagine them keeping the opposition out. And then it's, you know, then they're reliant on, okay, those aforementioned players, how well are they going to mesh? How well are they going to link up? How many goals are they going to score? Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, because I mean, they had Carl Ikeme, uh, the wolf's keeper, but he underwent treatment for leukemia. Uh, some people uh, wanted um, Vincent Inyama back. I mean, he hasn't played for the national team since 2015, Um uh, but now it's going to be oh, I'm gonna butcher this name, but Ekeshukubu Ezenwa, so um. Yeah, it will be a big test for him there. We should say that Nigeria, they're ranked 47th. And we'll go back up to Argentina. They're ranked 5th in the world right now. And um, they will have to start Wolfredo Caballero. After um, Ramos went out injured. So Caballero will get the nod there. Um... You know, I mean, this team is all about Messi, really.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is that they are...
0: No, they're good. On paper, they're very, very good. I mean,
1: I think think they're going to concede goals because Mascherano is getting up there in years. Marcus Rojo can be a good player, but he's no umtiti. He's no, yeah. (laughs) No, no.
0: (laughs) Okay, so it's a problem when your best defender is Nicolas Otamendi.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, that's one way to put it, but at the same time, you know, you want to hold the caliber of players that we're talking about. You know, a player who's struggling at Old Trafford is still somebody you want to have in your World Cup squad versus taking, I don't know, a defender who is plying his trade at sporting kansas city right so yes. i i mean i and like i said i think that they're gonna ship goals but that i have i have a lot of respect for Aver Benega in terms of like commanding the pace of play in the middle of the park and trying to shield that back for and then when you start to move forward from there that's when the group of players gets really exciting yeah I mean, I don't know that another, even if, as I said, Uruguay has perhaps the best striker part, out and out striker partnership in Cavani and Suarez. You know, their group of six forwards, or seven forwards, I should say. I always forget about Pavon. Yes. Like, are they? Is there a better group in the tournament? I'm, I'm not sure. With Gonzalo Higuain, of course, Lionel Messi, of course, Sergio Aguero. And then, you know, up and comers in Pavon and Paulo Diabala. Uh, main creative creative mainstay, Angel Di Maria. You know, I don't.
0: I would say like, France. France could yes. probably go head to head with Argentina.
1: And, but I, I I agree, but I still think there's an ar- argument that Argentina might have the edge.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll see. I, I mean, and close, this is, is going to be. Their last chance of having Messi, you know, being the best player in the world. I don't think he'll be at that level in four years. No, I think uh, he'll
1: be, I'll think he'll be at the World Cup four years from yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, he'll I, still be but good. He be,
0: but I don't think he'll be the best player in the world in no. four
1: years. And I, the big, my question mark for this team, it's not defensively because I already said they're, they're going to concede goals. My biggest question mark for this team is. Knowing that, knowing that this is in capital letters, I mean, he saved them from failing to qualify pretty much Mm single-handedly. Like, knowing that this is put up in light, Messi's last chance, are they going to respond by moving forward with that quality and transitioning into hitting teams for three and four goals consistently and on the back of that being able to carry themselves despite conceding one or two regularly into the World Cup final again, as they did four years ago? Or are they going to play nervous and scared because they're like, oh, God, this is our last chance. And when they ship that goal, when maybe they ship those two goals and go down 2-0, are they going to respond by being tepid and scared as opposed to being confident and swashbuckling? And
0: I really don't know the answer to that. No. No, it'll be tough. I mean, it's it's a... Quite a daunting task here because they, I I bet they know that too, that this is going to be Messi's last hurrah as the world's best player. Yeah. So, yeah, it will be interesting to follow Argentina. Uh, Iceland, they're ranked 22nd in the world, become sort of the hipster team here for people to cheer on after their, you know, a couple of good performances and nice heroes um yeah i mean don't, don't don't call them the hipster team call them the they singular. are Come no on. they're a Come on. they're a hipster team and i i don't i mean i uh, don't get me wrong i I like me iceland i like that whole viking clap and everything and you know one of my all-time favorite players ragnar Sigurdsson, plays for them so um,
1: but they can't i mean they can't be the hipster team because their hair is less ridiculous than many of the other teams, and only one of their players has a beard.
0: Yeah, but you got some. Don't you have a man <laughs> bun or two? You got some. Uh... That's
1: true. You got a man bun or two. Yeah. I'll give. I'll give you that. But you, it's not the. It's not you the, got the Andy Carroll man like the corn bun. So yeah. you, you got. Know, a, you got still...
0: a. You got a couple of hair bands too. So uh, no, I mean it's fun. It's fun. Um, yeah. Of course, big, you know, superstar here, Gilfi Sigurdsson didn't have the best of time with Everton. But maybe this is more of his cup of tea here playing with Iceland. Um we'll we'll see. I mean, it's going to be another one of those team performances if they're going to go anywhere really.
1: Yeah. And I I have to say, I think I think they will get a result out of at least one game. And that said, I also don't think that they will have that kind of impressive Cinderella story that we saw at the Euros. I just I don't I don't see it up against these kind of players. I mean, and and again, it's partially down to how do Argentina react? You know, it's not it's not. Let me say that. Yeah, I think they're only going to get one result out of the group. It could be against Argentina. You know, they could they're a team that is good enough to beat Argentina, but I also think that, you know, that team fighting spirit is great, but
0: I I just I don't see them advancing out of this. No. One player to keep an extra eye on here is Albert Gudmundsson. Uh, plays for PSV Eindhoven, 20 years old. Uh, five caps, three goals, um, and is tipped to be the next big star coming out of Iceland. So um, keep an extra eye on him if he gets some playing time. Uh other than that, I mean like I said, Ragnar Sigurdsson, the uh in central defense there, hard as nails. I still I'm still bummed that he ended up going to Russia after the Euros. I think he should have gone to the Premier League, but um oh well. I mean he did he did sign for Fulham, but that was the championship, so and now he's in Rostov. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's that. And then, lastly, Croatia, Slavko Dalic's men here, ranked 18th. They have some good players. They have one of the most, I don't know if you can, underrated superstars in Luka Modric. I don't feel like we talk enough about him.
1: I I think they have two of the most underrated superstars in Luka Modric and Mario Mandzukic.
0: Yeah, Mancukic, he is good, but yeah, like you I, said, he's sort of on the radar I, there, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, he scored some of the most, some of the most important goals in the world's premier club level tournament in the Champions League this season, and he's been, you know, he's been. He, I don't think that he's ever really blown the doors off of another team, but he's. He's showed up in big games consistently at the highest level. He has 30 goals for his country, and I I would say that in terms of uh, an underrated superstar based on pure quality, yeah, Modric is absolutely that. You know, he's like if you are man if you are able to maintain a place at the Bernabeu as a Galactico for the better part of a decade, then you're going to be one of the greatest of all time. Period. You know, I don't think that he's going to be remembered in the same way that Messi and Ronaldo and, you know, uh, Zidane are going to be remembered as the greatest of all time. But yeah, no, Modric is that as well. And Ivan Rakitic is, the, I mean, they're.
0: Oh, they, they, got a, they got a phenomenal midfield. So Ivan Perisic, yeah. Ivan Rakitic, Mateo Kovacic, uh, Modric, Brosovic, Bradaric and Badalj. So that's a phenomenal midfield. No, they're excellent. Wow. Definitely one of the better ones. I mean, you got, like you said, Modric, superstar, Rakitic, really good. Kovacevic, really good. Persic, very, very good winger. Uh, and then, you know, sort of guys who do the the work that nobody wants to do in Brozovic. So, um, yeah, no, very, 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 very good team. I think they can they can make a splash here. They do need some goals, though and Mansudjit will have to step up cuz i i don't have that much um, faith in the other forwards that they're bringing yeah i mean i i think that um
1: uh marco P- Piaccia, is that how you say his last name the P- winger yeah. for juventus Piacco
0: piacha yeah yeah
1: yeah and i think he could he could do some things as well i mean i think that they i'll say this having just Sung the praises of Mario Mandzukic. I mean, I think that he is going to have to play above himself, and the same way that he did, you know, for Juve in the Champions League, like coming or excuse me for, like, you know, like in the Champions League for his country if they are going to be able to get out of this group. And I, I would say, that said, based on form and quality, I still think they are slight favorites over Nigeria to finish second behind Argentina. And I also think that, despite that amazing quality going forward that Argentina have, their question marks in defense mean that they've got they've got a decent chance. Oh, yeah. But... Um, but, I mean, I think that Lovren, Lovren is going to have to have a great tournament at the back and Menzukic is going to have to have a great tournament up front in order for them to really have a chance. And, but the thing is that they are very quietly in a similar position to Argentina themselves, right? With Menzukic at 32, Luka Modric also at 32. You know, they're like, these are the last... Tournaments for, and Rakitic is 30 as well. Like, these are probably the last tournaments for their marquee players. Certainly the last tournaments, really, in their prime. And so, I mean, are, are they going to play collectively above themselves and lift one another in order to make a deep run in Russia? Uh, or are they going to realize that and crack under the pressure? I'm not sure. I mean, I I I hope so,
0: because I feel like they've been promising for such a long time. They've had players like Modric and Rakitic, and I I really hope that they can do something with that, because I I feel like they are always a lot of fun to watch. You never never turn on the TV and you're like, oh, man, Croatia are playing. It's like, oh, nice, Croatia's playing. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Um, yeah, that's gonna wrap things up for today. Uh, should we just say real quick here which teams we think think are gonna advance out of each group?
1: Oh, I feel like we've kind of uh, covered it. We can go back and yeah, rehash we'll, it yeah, let's we'll or... just
0: do it quick. Group A: Uruguay, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Russia though. Uruguay uh, and Russia. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole you know that good old home crowd It's going to help Russia.
1: I mean, I think that they've got a real chance to go through despite, you know, not being as strong on paper as Egypt. I mean, it just, how solid defensively can Egypt be? Because they're going to sit back and park a bunch of buses behind Mo, Mo Salah. Yeah. I, for the sake of Salah and for the sake of a big middle finger to the villain of Sergio Ramos, I hope, and I'm going to say that he shows up
0: and they finish behind Uruguay and qualify. So Uruguay and Egypt. Okay, right. then Group B. I'm going to say Spain and Portugal. I feel like there there's such a big gap there between Portugal, Spain, and Morocco, Iran. Uh,
1: I'm I'm tempted to give to you know what? Just you, you picked the. The farther team here, and also because similarly the opposite. While I will be cheering for Egypt, I will be cheering against Portugal. I'm going to say Morocco managed to get results and get out in the second
0: place behind Spain. Okay, then I'm Group C: uh, France, Denmark. Yeah, there. You and I are yep. same for that. And then Group D: uh, Croatia, Argentina.
1: Think Croatia are going to finish first?
0: Yeah think so uh same amount of points seven points each you might be
1: right about that but i think argentina are uh, you know speaking of questions in defense for nigeria they might end up like that game could end it could end up being five to two and those goals are going to help them through in mm, gold differential that's true, that's so, true. Okay. argentina croatia Fine, I'll,
0: I'll cave to that argentina croatia uh, yeah, next episode we'll go through the remainder of the groups. Uh, we got some interesting ones, uh, particularly Group F that has Sweden in it. So, until then, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noran. Polly is P. Costel, Elliot is Keats Was Better, and we'll talk to you again soon. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.